Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to see you this morning. Uh, turn, if you will, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, uh, where we've been for the past couple months and uh, will continue to do uh, in chapter 1, and continue to be in chapter 1 today and next week uh, before we have our Advent series. Um, as you turn to Ephesians, chapter 1, uh, let me pray for our time together in God's Word. Uh, Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this morning. Got a time to gather as your people, with your people. Got a time to gather under the proclamation of the good news, the gospel, your truth. God, as we have sung of your goodness, singing these truths back to you and pray, singing these truths over one another as we worship. Uh, God, I pray that as we continue in worshiping through the reading and proclamation of your scriptures, God, that you would open our minds to understand, open our hearts to receive uh, your gospel. Uh, God, that you would transform us by your spirit. Uh, God, that you would grow us to be more and more in the image and likeness of your son, Jesus, for your glory and our joy, and that this good news may advance uh, to the nations. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? This is God's word. Friends, God's Holy Spirit dwells in you and with you, guiding you into a deeper relationship with him and each other bringing great joy to us in this life and the next. And this is good news for us. When I was a kid, I liked these uh, choose-your-own-adventure books. Are you guys familiar with these books? Uh, they were great. They were like, you know, small little books that you would, uh, you know, adventure or mystery books. And as you would read, you know, you would get to the end of a, of a little section and it would say, all right, now do you want to go through the door or do you want to run down the hallway? And depending on what you would choose, if you want to run through the door, uh, turn to page 72. And if you want to go down the hallway, turn to page 93. And it was just a fun little adventure for a kid to like read a book and say, all right, you know, you're trying to solve this mystery. And, and as you choose, you know, you would choose your own adventure, so to speak. It would turn you to different parts of the book and every outcome was different. And often I would find myself uh, wanting to see what would happen if I chose the other things. So, like, I really want to walk down the hall, but I'm going to see what happens just if I turn the page to 72, what would have happened had I gone through the door, right? To try to make unwise decisions on behalf of the character of the book just for fun, right? Um, it was no big deal because it was a book. In fact, I bought one of those at a book fair at this very school when I was in fourth grade, so. And I still read it. All, I'm just kidding. But see, it was no big deal because it was a book, so you can kind of make foolish, unwise decisions in this little fictional book as a kid. It was a lot of fun. But in day-to-day -day life, we're faced with decisions that we have to make, and we always want to choose the wise decision, right? Like, we don't want to just live lives of foolishness and uh, lack of wisdom. 
And our lives are, are constantly faced with decisions we have to make. Some of these decisions are big, like what house will we move to? What city will I pursue a career? What you know, spouse will I pursue? Uh, what, what kind of family will we raise? Those are big decisions that we have to make. But uh, we have day-to-day decisions, too, that aren't as big of a deal. Like, today, do I want to go play frisbee or soccer? Or do I want to go kayaking or fishing? You know? Or both, you know? Um, some of these decisions are big. Some of them are small. But the beauty of the gospel is that as, as God saves us and redeems us and is transforming us into his people, uh, he gives us wisdom, not only for the big decisions, but also for the small ones. So therefore, we're not paralyzed by indecision or paralyzed by fear of making a, a bad decision. God promises his Holy Spirit to us to guide us in all wisdom. Now, as we've seen in the book of Ephesians over the past several weeks, we see that, that Paul is reminding this first century church in the city of Ephesus, a city about the size of modern-day Augusta, uh, very uh, rich in commerce and and spirituality and uh, and had great traditions there, but but mainly pagan traditions. And and Paul is writing to this Christian church in Ephesus, reminding them of their identity in Christ. We've seen over the past several weeks throughout the whole first chapter of Ephesians, Paul is saying, in Christ Christ you are adopted. In Christ, you are chosen. In Christ, you are faithful. In Christ, you are saints. In Christ, you are redeemed. In Christ, you are beloved. In in Christ, you have hope. Time and time again, he's saying, in Christ, here is your new identity. Now, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the work of Jesus by his Holy Spirit to, to transform us and redeem us is that he not only gives us that new identity for eternity, that we say, okay, well, I'm adopted, I belong to God, so therefore I will be in heaven with him forever. He, he gives us that, yes, that's, that's true. But he also guides us by his Spirit and wisdom for this life now. There, there are present, uh, modern, current, ongoing implications of the gospel for us as being those who have been saved, have been redeemed, have been uh, transformed and adopted uh, by God through Christ. You see, the gospel of our salvation is that Jesus restores our brokenness, brings us into fellowship with himself, and brings us into fellowship with each other. So this life we live together looks different than when we were not in Christ, right? In Christ, our life looks this way. Out of Christ, it looks a different way. You see, having this identity of redemption described through adoption and saints and being chosen, this is, this is God's plan for us. This is Christ's work for us. And the Holy Spirit of God confirms this truth in our hearts. We looked last week at, at the work of the Holy Spirit in verse 13, that, that, that by the Holy Spirit we have believed uh, in Christ that, and believed in the gospel of our salvation that we have been sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, comes into our hearts and lives, seals us, marks us, tattoos us, if you will, identifying us as God's people redeemed in Christ. And this is such good news for us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit sealing our hearts, but the Holy Spirit also guarantees an inheritance for us, meaning that we have this hope that drives us uh, onward through this life into the next. But we see in today's passage, Paul continues to describe the work of the Holy Spirit, not only sealing us and and sealing our hearts and guaranteeing for us an inheritance, he also uh, does a work, an ongoing work uh, within us that that Paul calls a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of wisdom guiding us uh, through this life. And this is the good news is that God the Father gives us his Holy Spirit 
who enlightens our hearts to know Jesus Christ. And this wisdom is expressed through, Paul says here, is expressed through knowledge and revelation, faith and love, and hope and power. So we're going to look at those things over the next few minutes. We're going to look at faith, uh, sorry, knowledge and revelation, faith and love, and hope and power. All right, so the first thing, knowledge and revelation, verse 17, uh, Paul says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, all of these sentences pack such a huge punch, it's hard to know where to go first, right? So we're going to look at it in, in this order, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, bear in mind, Paul just said this Holy Spirit is, is the promised Holy Spirit, that God has promised to send his Holy Spirit, that Jesus is the one who promised to send his Holy Spirit to his people, and then God makes good on his promise, sending his Holy Spirit into your heart to seal you, to identify you as his people, to guarantee you for, uh, guarantee an inheritance for you, uh, giving you hope for the future, but in the present, the God our Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, gives us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of, here, of him. Now, the beauty of wisdom, biblically, uh, what we see here in the New Testament, that wisdom is not something you do. It's not something you can necessarily make. Uh, wisdom is not something that you can achieve on your own, but rather, if we read this uh, carefully, we see that wisdom is not something you do, but, but someone you have, right? That, that the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, the person, the third person of the Trinity is the spirit of wisdom who God sends to us into our hearts, into our minds, and guiding us as his people, right? So we see that, that, that wisdom is not something you do, it's someone you have, the Holy Spirit who is dwelling with you and in you. Right? This is what Jesus uh, promises while he is uh, living on this earth and doing ministry. He says, look, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to be with you. You'll never be alone. I will be with you always. I'm sending my Holy Spirit to empower you. I'm sending my Holy Spirit to be with you. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit, uh, that, that, that the Christian church uh, gathered is, is the dwelling place for God's Holy Spirit, that, that personally as, as Christians, you are, you are God's temple. He is dwelling in you and with you. And so with this good news, we see that the Holy Spirit promised by Christ and, and fulfilled by, by God sending him to us uh, grants us uh, wisdom by knowledge and revelation. You see, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and with you manifests a deeper knowing of Jesus Christ. I often like to watch movies, uh, you know, that have a twist. You know, one of those movies like any M. Night Shyamalan movie, well, the two good ones, but uh, there's some other ones that are kind of lame, but there's two ones that are really, really good. Um, and then movies like, you know, A Beautiful Mind or Memento or any of these movies where they're like, all of a sudden it kind of comes together at the end, you know what I mean? Like there's kind of a, uh, The Prestige, you know? That's one of my wife's favorite movies. Just kidding. Um, you know, one of those movies where you're like, you know, you're, you're tracking along and all of a sudden there's a divergence in the, in the plot line or something or uh, The Usual Suspects. Um, your homework is not to go watch all these movies because some of them may not be uh, the best edification for you. But, uh, but A Beautiful Mind is one of my favorite movies because it's, it's you know, loosely based on a true story. It's based on a book that I read some of and it's pretty interesting. 
And if you know the if you know the story, you know it's, it, this guy's brilliant, right? The movie has Russell Crowe in it. And the music's great. The acting's great. The storyline's great. And uh, and if you've not seen the movie, just plug your ears for the next ninety seconds. Because if you if you've seen the movie, you know that what happens is um, you, you know all the time you're thinking, wow, this guy's a genius, and he's like working for the government, the CIA, doing all this top secret stuff. But as you kind of track along later on, you find out that he actually has mental illness, and and some of these things are delusions. They're not even true. And so. When I first watched that movie, I just like was blown away. I said, man, it was a brilliant movie. I mean, great directing, great acting, great storyline. And I went and watched the movie a second time. And as I was watching the movie a second time, you can pick up on little, little clues along the way where you're like, oh, man, I didn't realize that that's actually the, the truth that was going on was, was not what I thought it was, right? I was, I was misunderstanding, misguiding. You see, by the time you get to the end of the film and everything kind of comes to light, there's this big unveiling of the truth, right? There's a big, it's like the curtain has been pulled away and you can see clearly of the truth that was really going on in the life of this guy. In the same way, that's, that's, what, that's what revelation is, it is an unveiling of the truth. It is, you think something's going on. It's, it's, the, it's the revealing of a mystery, so to speak. It's not, uh, revelation biblically is not meant to be a, you know, a trick or a game where God is trying to have you go through some maze and try to figure out clues like a choose your own adventure book. You know, it's not trying to trick you or make it difficult for you, but rather uh, in Christ, God is, is revealing himself fully to us, that he is pulling back the curtain uh, uh, that's blinding our eyes uh, or maybe the brokenness that, that mars our, our view. Right? Like if you have glasses, and, and, and my sweet daughter does this sometimes just because she knows it drives me crazy. Like if I'm you know, wrestling with them and I'm wearing my glasses, so she'll, she'll sometimes like lick her finger and just like put a streak on my lens. And I'm like, really? Because she knows like clean glasses is one of my you know, n- utmost needs in life. I'm like, I need a sandwich and I need clean glasses, right? So and I have my glasses on and you know, I'm wrestling with my daughter and she'll, say, she'll lick her finger and put a streak across my lens and it drives me absolutely crazy, right? So what I do is I get out this cool little sham wild cloth and I shimmy off the, the smudge and I spray the stuff and I make the lenses clear. I can see everything clear again, right? In the same way, uh, biblical revelation is a, is a removal of the smudge of the lenses of our hearts and our minds and our eyes. We don't see clearly because of the brokenness of sin. In our lives, we have brokenness, we have sin, we have rebellion. Uh, this can manifest in pride. It can manifest in uh, just utter craziness, it can manifest in, in, in just a weightedness of, of guilt and shame of our past. Or It takes many different forms of the brokenness of our lives. But the beauty of the gospel is that Christ is restoring us, right? He's redeeming us, he's changing us, he's transforming us. <clears throat> what scripture tells us here is that the Holy Spirit of God is revealing to us who Jesus is, right? He's removing the smudges from our glasses. He's, he's showing us like the end of the movie so that we can interpret the middle of the movie, if you will. So we, so we know what's going to happen. We see all this, what it really is. So let's go back and, and let's play the movie again and we can see things more clearly uh, with, with more clarity. So when Paul writes this, the Holy Spirit of God is promised to you as a Christian. Life is not meant to be a bunch of curveballs leading you away from God, but rather it is God, uh, you're living life with wisdom by the, by the Spirit of God who's, who's guiding you through life so that he was revealing more and more of himself. That's what I love about verse 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Right? So, so God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit is all mentioned in this verse. So there's the Trinity for you right there. The Holy Spirit of wisdom is revealing to us more and more of who Jesus is. 
Now, it's the Holy Spirit who, who you know, removes the veil off of our eyes to see Jesus to begin with. So if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, that's because the Holy Spirit has, has given you eyes to see Jesus and given you ears to hear the gospel, given you a heart to believe the gospel. But the beauty of the gospel is that the Holy Spirit of God continues to reveal to us more and more about Jesus. Do you see that here? That's what verse 17 says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. This is not just a one-time thing like, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, you're good, right? It is, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. All right, let's grow in our knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. I mean, it's a beautiful thing because the revelation of the Holy Spirit in our hearts of the gospel is an ongoing revealing of who Jesus is. It's an ongoing unveiling of the goodness of God, right? Knowledge, the word for knowledge here is not just like an intellectual idea like, you know, do you believe that two plus two equals four? Awesome. You know what else? Two times two equals four. Wow, that's mind-boggling. Do you believe that this shirt is green? Okay, yeah. Do you know that my name is Jeremy? Sure. Those are all like, you know, factual things. But the word for knowledge here is not just like a propositional idea. It's a relational knowing. And so the beauty of, of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus, the beauty of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds is that he has given us ongoing revelation of who Jesus is. He's given us ongoing knowledge. We are knowing him intimately, deeply. But the word for knowing is like used throughout the Old Testament to describe like a man and a wife. You get to know your spouse more and more. Like my wife and I got married almost eight years ago and it's not like, hey, I know you, you know me, I'm gonna shake hands, glad that we're married. No, eight years into marriage, I'm getting to know her more and more, like her likes, her dislikes, like what makes her tick and, and we just you know, enjoy time together because I'm knowing her more and more deeply, more and more fully. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us and in us is that he has promised to us to seal our hearts, to guarantee our inheritance, but also to grow us in knowing and seeing who Jesus is. You see, the Christian life is like it's a progression of uh, knowledge, a progression of revelation. As the Holy Spirit gives us more and more understanding of of the beauty of Christ, we know him more intimately and, and, and more deeply. This is all part of God's plan See, creation points to God. Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. But Jesus reveals to us more fully what creation cannot. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known, speaking of Jesus. Colossians 1.15, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hebrews 1.3 Speaking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. You see, friends, we want to know God more deeply. Jesus reveals to us who God is and what God is like. And so as we want to grow in this knowledge and this understanding of who God is, we relate to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit confirms in our hearts, gives us more and more knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done. Verse 17, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Friends, here at Redemption Church, scripture is central to everything we do. We read scripture, we sing 
uh, texts from scripture. We pray scripture over one another. We discuss scripture in our missional communities and DNA groups and through our friendships. Scripture is central because scripture is how we know uh, who Jesus is and what he's done. And by God's Holy Spirit, our minds are growing in knowledge and, and, and our eyes are seeing more and more revelation of who Christ is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The result is we grow in intimacy uh, with Christ and each other. So I just want to ask you a quick question before we go on. As we look at uh, the spirit of wisdom is expressed through knowledge and revelation. I just want to ask you really quick, how, uh, in what ways are you, um, are you pursuing uh, knowing Christ? I mean, in what, in what ways are you pursuing, you know, seeing more and more of who God is? It, it may be, um, you know, good things like, you know, intellectualism or philosophy or, um, you know, supernatural experience, right? Um, friends, may we rest on the promise that the Holy Spirit has been given to us by God. May we rest on the promise that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us knowledge and revelation of Jesus Christ. May we rest on that. And our identity as Christians, as adopted, chosen, redeemed, children of God, may we rest in that promise. It's the Holy Spirit of God who gives us knowledge and revelation of Jesus Christ. It's, it's ongoing, it's growing, uh, and uh, that's good news, right? right. Um, but secondly, we see that the Holy Spirit of wisdom is expressed not only in revelation and knowledge, but also uh, through faith and love. Now, this is where we take kind of the internal, uh, you know, vertical thing, and we make it more external and horizontal, right? Like we see that, that the Holy Spirit of God is growing us in, in knowledge and revelation, so we're like, we're seeing more and more who God is, what he's done for us through the personal work of Jesus Christ, so it's an ongoing growth of, of wisdom in that. Uh, but faith and love is expressed also uh, horizontally. All right, and we see this in, the first, in verses 15 through 16. So Paul says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Right, so verse 15 is great. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. Faith and love. Now, we, we have to see, this is the hard part about, you know, this is like a 200 plus word run-on sentence that Paul has been writing here. And so it's, it's kind of hard to break it up over, across like three months, like we've done. Uh, but what we want to do is we, we wanted to take it slow. So we see for this reason, for this reason, like as Paul has said, look, all of these things he's laid out before that, that you know, through, uh, by God, through Christ, you have been blessed and chosen and adopted. All, he just lays it all out there. And then he says, for that reason, because I have heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. So faith and love uh, is a work of um, God in and through our hearts to, by his Holy Spirit, confirm in us who Christ is and what he's done. It changes our identity. And because of that, uh, we have ongoing faith in the Lord and love toward the saints. So faith and love. You see, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and with you uh, deepens your faith in Jesus and deepens your love for each other, right? We look at scripture, we say, all right, a spirit of wisdom means knowledge and revelation. We all want to know God more. We all want to see a clear picture of who God is. And sometimes we, we look over here, intellectualism or philosophy or a spiritual experience in the mountains or whatever, but the Holy Spirit's the one who, uh, who, who opens our hearts to, to see more and more of who Jesus is. So that's more growing in knowledge, growing in revelation, but also the Holy Spirit of wisdom uh, gives us a deeper faith in Christ and love for his people. 
You see, faith uh, means belief. It means trust. Uh, faith is not a one-time uh, propositional statement or an intellectual assent. Faith is, is an ongoing relational trust in someone. So as Christians, we are growing in our ongoing relational trust in Christ. When I was a kid, I, I, I first started to understand the gospel a little bit when I was eight years old. I was in Round Pond Presbyterian Church in Franklin, Kentucky. There was like 40 people there. It was a little, a little farming community church uh, where my uncle was the pastor. And, and during a communion service, as he's explaining uh, the nature of sin and, and what Jesus had done by his broken body and shed blood, it kind of started to make sense just a little bit. And in that moment, I said, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus all of my life. And, and, and so uh, through counseling and, and prayer, my family, you know, I became a Christian, so to speak. And at age eight, I was baptized in Sulphur Fork Creek in Franklin, Kentucky, you know, splashed down, like, you know, came back up. And, and the first thing I did was write that date in my Bible, in the cover of my Bible, because I wanted to have in my Bible the date that I became a Christian. Now, that's not a bad thing. I still have that Bible. I still know the date, right? It was in the summer. I, I remember it very, very clearly. It's a great time to celebrate what God had done in my life. But for the longest time, anytime somebody would say, well, how do you know that you're a Christian? I'd say, well, let me turn to the cover of my Bible. And I became a Christian in 1986, right? In June 29th. That's how I know I'm a Christian, because I prayed that prayer June 29th, 1986. And then I got baptized July 13th, 1986. That's how I know I'm a Christian. Now, that's all well and good as a kid, and, and, and I was young in my faith and kind of w- was clinging to that moment, which is good. It's good to celebrate that. I remember it every time it passes, every year. <coughs> but I began to grow in my understanding that, that my faith is not resting on what I did or what was necessarily, you know, what I prayed or, or what I, I got baptized. It's good to remember those things. But I remembered, I, I began to understand that faith is not just a one-time event. Faith is an ongoing relational trust in a person. And so as I grew in my understanding, as the Holy Spirit was giving me more knowledge and revelation of who Christ is and what he's done, I began to see that, look, faith is not just, faith is not just resting in something I did. Actually, faith is resting in the person who saved me, Jesus. And so the, the inside cover of my Bible, sure, it's important, but it's the rest of the Bible that's actually really important, right? And, and so, friends, faith and belief is ongoing relational trust that Jesus has indeed defeated Satan sin, and death on your behalf. It's ongoing relational trust that Jesus is enough to deal with the sins of your past. Jesus is enough to deal with the struggles of your present. We walk in here as broken people. We walk in here with baggage maybe from our past. We walk in here with struggles in our present. We walk in here, all of us, having issues of of sin and idolatry in our hearts. Maybe we are loving some person more than we're loving Jesus. Maybe we are loving material things more than we're loving Jesus. Maybe we're not loving each other well in this room or in our family. Maybe we are carrying the sin and the baggage of, of addictions or, or things that have been thrown upon you that are uh, weighing you down. The beauty of the gospel is that we have freedom. We have salvation. That Jesus Christ is the victor. That Jesus Christ has secured the win for you because he is good, because he loves you, because he has adopted you and chosen you. Because of that, God sends his Holy Spirit of wisdom to confirm in our hearts faith in the Lord Jesus, is what Paul says. Ongoing relational trust in Jesus. 
Now this faith, although it's personal, it's not individual. See? <laughs> Wherever you are in your relationship with Christ, it's a personal thing indeed, but it's not individual. God places us amidst other broken people, and he calls it the church, right? We're all here as broken people. I'm a mess, but Jesus saved me and is continuing to save me. You're probably a mess too. Let's hang out. Faith, although it is personal, is not individual. It's expressed in the context of community. That's why Paul writes here, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the saints. I mean, this is what I love about Paul. And is important. It's, those aren't two sentences. It's a, it's, and is a connection. Faith and love go together here. Paul is saying your faith in Jesus Christ and your love toward the saints. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you are growing in relational trust in Jesus, part of that is trusting that Jesus has placed you in this community with other people, right? So as we relate to one another, when I hang out with you, and um, I mean, even just a couple days ago, I was hanging out with the other elders of this church, and we were talking through some things, and one of the guys just kind of asked me how I was doing with, with a hurtful thing that happened to me earlier this year, and I was like, man, thank you for checking in. And I'm, I'm constantly reminded that God has placed those men in my life for my good. Like part of my faith in Jesus is knowing that, that, that Reggie and Jason as co-elders uh, co of this church are here not only to guide this church, but also to just minister to me as a fellow brother in Christ, right? And so faith and love go together. Faith in the Lord Jesus and love toward the saints go together because our faith, although it is personal, is not individual. God uses our ongoing relational trust to minister to each other, right? So Paul says, your faith in Jesus Christ, and your love. This is what I love about love. <laughs> love is not an abstract feeling, right? Love, uh, I'm a musician. I love love songs, right? Some love songs are awesome. Some are horrible. We were at Cracker Barrel yesterday. That's not where you want to go. I mean, you want to go there to eat good food, but don't listen to love songs on the Cracker Barrel radio, man. There, there was some song, oh, I shouldn't offend anybody, never mind. Um, there's some country song right now that I was like, that's just not a good love song, right? They were playing the song, and I, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because it might offend some because it's probably, I don't even like country music. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm like the king of audio anachronism. Like we were driving through the Appalachian Mountains and I'm listening to like British techno. It just doesn't fit, right? When you're in Appalachian Mountains, you should listen to, Sorry. But love is not an abstract feeling. Like in our, in our cultural context today, we've kind of made love to be this thing, like, I love you. Why do you, you know, why do you love me? Because I just feel good around you, okay? I love you because of what I get from you, or I love you because I love this feeling or this experience. But biblically, love is, is based on a, a covenant commitment to someone, right? The biblical word for love is not just feeling or what I get out of this relationship, but it's based on a commitment saying, look, I, I know that God has put me and you together, so I am loving you because I'm committed to you, and that's based on my faith in Jesus. I mean, this is expressed throughout the Old Testament time and time again. God's people were in covenant with God because God said, look, I love you guys. Even though you're a mess, I am committed out of my holiness, my goodness, out of my steadfast love, I'm going to pursue you as a father, and your wayward children, I'm going to pursue you uh, to the death of my own son because I love you. Right? Uh, God is pursuing his wayward bride is the imagery we see throughout scripture and his wayward children. In the same way, 
as God has his covenant love to his people, we have covenant love and marriage relationship, right? We are committed. If you are married, you know that your relationship is, it cannot be based on your feelings alone toward that other person. If it is, you just can't go into that. Single people, do not look for, you know, single guys, do not look for some woman to be like the perfect woman so that you can marry her and just feel good all the time. If you go into a relationship like that and that's all you got, it's just not going to work out that well. Ladies, do not look for some dude to be your hero all the time because he's probably going to fail. I know he will. He's a dude, right? Covenant relationship is based on the promises of God and the work of Christ. And that's so good. It's freeing in marriage to know that this is a marriage tangent here. When I, when I look at my wife, our relationship is based on the work of Christ for us. Do I feel good around her? Yeah, I love her. She's gorgeous and we have fun together. But it's deeper than that. It's more than that. There's a covenant relationship that's based not only on us together, but, but, but Christ has secured that for us. In the same way, love toward other Christians is based on the person and work of Jesus. So look to your left and to your right. Look behind you. Look in front of you. Every person in this room, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, if Jesus has saved you and redeemed you, if you are a chosen child of God, You belong here. We belong together. We have a relationship that's based on his covenant goodness toward us. That's why I can look you in the eye and say, I love you. I love you. I love you guys a lot. You're my family. God has brought you guys together, brought me into your life, brought you into my life for my good, for your good, to show off how good he is. And Paul says here that the that our faith in the Lord Jesus and our love toward the saints, that means other Christians, it goes together. So if you are growing in your faith, you are growing in relationship with other people. And if you're not growing in relationship with other people, well, the issue is not other people. The issue is probably your faith, right? It is. Because the gospel of reconciliation and the gospel of acceptance in Christ, the gospel of forgiveness, all happens because of who Jesus is, but we express that to each other in the context of community. Praise the Lord. And it's based on the work of Jesus because it can't be based on our work because it just would all fall apart and be messy and it's just what happens. Because love is an expression of the community that God exists in Trinity. There's God the Father, Jesus the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They all exist in community, and we together as Christians reflect that back uh, to God and to each other. First uh, John 1, 3 says this, That which we have seen and we proclaim to you also, I'm sorry, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1 is just packed with the beauty of what fellowship is, what community is, what love for all the saints is. We have relationship with God the Father and each other. So our faith in Jesus and our love for the saints go together. You with me? The Holy Spirit confirms that time and time again. The Holy Spirit of wisdom is leading us to be that kind of people. That's the beauty of the gospel. You're not going to find that kind of commitment anywhere else. Go try to be part of some sport team. The second you can't play well, you're off the team, or at least you're on the bench for a season. 
right? Go, go try to, to have that kind of acceptance in any other kind of organization. It just doesn't work because, uh, because organizations are based on performance. They're based on what you do, what they get out of it. It's just how it is, and that's, that's fine. But the beauty of the gospel is that Christian community is based on, on love, is based on faith in Christ and love for each other. So here at Redemption Church, how we say this, I mean, this is, we say we have kind of a five-fold uh, Five-fold philosophy of discipleship, and we have worship gatherings. We have missional communities that meet in homes during the week. Um, all across the CSRA, we have more on deck by God's grace in 2013. We'll have a couple more starting. Uh, we have DNA groups, which are discipleship, nurture, and accountability as you get together with a couple people and just apply the gospel to your life. We have service teams where you can get together and serve uh, each other, um, both on Sunday mornings, like uh, we have security, guest services, uh, working with our kids' ministry. You can do that, help set up and take down, um, but also uh, other opportunities during the week to serve. And we have natural forming friendships. All of these things are opportunities for us to express our faith in the Lord Jesus by expressing our love toward the saints. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing within us, that we are growing in our knowledge and revelation of Jesus. We are growing in our faith in Jesus and love for the saints. You with me? To wrap it up, I'll say this. As the Holy Spirit dwells in you and with you, we uh, it manifests a deeper relationship, a deeper faith in Jesus Christ and a deeper love for his people. So may we, uh, in this moment, take inventory of our faith. How's your faith in Jesus? Is it, is it growing? Are you growing in this relational trust in Christ? How is your love for other believers? Uh, let's just start with this room. I mean, there's Christians all over the world, but just let's just start with this room. How's your love for other believers in this room? Is it growing? Is it deepening? Uh, if so, that's an indicator that God's Holy Spirit of wisdom is at work in us and through us. That's my prayer every day. Um, finally, we see the Holy Spirit of wisdom gives us a knowledge and revelation, gives us faith and love. And, and thirdly, Paul says hope and power is what he says in verse 18. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Again, we have to stop on a comma because this is the biggest run-on sentence and it's beautiful. But the Holy Spirit of wisdom um, dwells in you and with you and manifests a deeper knowledge and revelation of Jesus Christ uh, manifests a deeper faith in Jesus and love for the saints, but also manifests in, in great hope and power. Uh, hope for uh, the future that God has promised to us, that in the end we will be a fully redeemed, glorified people with God forever. That's great. That's a hope that we cling to. But for now, we also live in a present power that we are empowered by God's Holy Spirit to live out this identity as redeemed, adopted, faithful saints chosen by God. The Holy Spirit of God confirms that in our hearts and minds, giving us greater knowledge, greater revelation, greater faith, greater love, greater hope, and great power so that the decisions we make, whether they be big, like where do I live, what city do I move to, what spouse should I marry, right? Um, what person should I marry so they become my spouse? There's not multiple spice that you marry. Um, and even our day-to-day -day decisions, like, because at the end of the day, friends, I'll just say at the end of the day, wisdom is applied knowledge. 
And the, the whole point of biblical wisdom is that we grow to know God and, and make him known. So as we live by the spirit of wisdom, we are living in such a way to know God more deeper and more fully and, uh, and to make him known. That's the whole point. So as the Holy Spirit confirms within you knowledge and revelation and faith and love and hope and power, may we live in such a way, making big decisions and day-to-day decisions with the whole motivation of knowing God and making him known. That axiom would change everything for you. If the whole point of your dating relationship is to know God more and to make him known, how you can say like, well, I want to marry this person, but as we're dating, I want to know God better. I want to make I want to make God known in this relationship, right? If you go to work tomorrow, I say, man, the whole point of this job is not just to make money. That's helpful. Oh, yes, it is. But the whole point of this job is that God's teaching me something. I'm going to know him deeper, and I'm going to make him known in the workplace. When you go to school, it's not just to get a better education. That's part of it. But also to know Christ deeper and to make him known. When you come to church, it's not just to uh, do whatever you would be doing here aside from knowing Christ and making him known. In the relationships that exist through worship gatherings, missional communities, DNA groups, service teams, friendships that are forming in Redemption Church, we are doing so with the whole focus of knowing Christ and making him known. That's the spirit of wisdom. That is biblical wisdom. That is what the Holy Spirit confirms in our hearts through knowledge and revelation, faith and love, hope and power. This is a promise that the Holy Spirit confirms. As he dwells in us and with us, he grants us this wisdom. You with me? As a time of response, I'm going to ask this of you. If you are here and you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. We are so glad you are here. If you are here searching and seeking for the meaning of life, that's a good thing to be searching and seeking for. What we want you to know more than anything is that in Christ you are loved, you are accepted, you were adopted, you were redeemed. In Christ alone, those things happen. Apart from Christ, they don't. In Christ alone, they do. And so if you're not a Christian, we want you to know more than anything. And it's my hope and prayer uh, that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see, your ears to hear, your heart to receive this good news. And if you want to talk to me about it, uh, talk to me. Just come grab me and we'll talk. I want you to know Jesus. For those of us in the room who are Christians, it is my hope and prayer, like Paul says here, that I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and, I, and your love toward the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. My friends, I pray for you every day, every day. And it is my hope and prayer that the Holy Spirit would give us a deeper knowledge and revelation of Jesus, that we would just fall more in love with him and this would spur us on in worship and joy, that we would grow in our faith, this trust in Jesus and grow in our love for each other, and that our lives would be characterized by hope and power that is explainable only by the Holy Spirit of God. And so as Christians, may we take time to uh, respond and worship now, take time to repent of not believing that, not living like that, and may we repent, that means to to change our minds, to to turn uh, to Christ in belief and faith and trust. And and let's just do that. Um, Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for a time to open your scriptures. And God, you're teaching us so much, it's hard to uh, sift through this tidal wave of good news. 
Uh, But Lord, I thank you for a time that we could uh, hear your word. And and God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, we know your Holy Spirit seals our hearts, that you have marked us and have identified us to be your children. So God, I thank you that uh, that work continues uh, by your Holy Spirit, through your Holy Spirit, in giving us uh, a spirit of wisdom, that we would, in wisdom, by your Spirit, know you more and deeper and Uh, that we would uh, love each other well as we grow in trust and faith in you and um, that we would experience hope and power together as your people. Lord, I I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. Uh, God, for those of us who are Christians, Lord, I pray that you would just ignite in us a passion for your glory, for your name, and uh, that we would experience such joy in the process and that you would spur us on to know you and to make you known. And God, also, I pray for those in this room who maybe are not Christians, and uh, Lord, I thank you that you have brought them here, and God, I pray that you would uh, pour upon them your your grace and your love in such a way that they they would come to know you and come to uh, love your people and and come to have a life characterized by hope and power. Uh, God, again, we thank you. I pray that in all things you would receive the glory, we would receive the joy, and that the good news of Jesus would go forth from this place uh, to this city, to the nation, and to the world. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.